Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined again today by Dr. Matthew Perry. Today we dove into the conversation of what that patient pathway looks like and what specifically that means for you. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Matthew Perry, how's it going? Hey, Brianne, I'm doing well, <laughs> as, <laughs> as well as uh, all could be going on with all of this nonsense going on in the world, but we ain't going to talk about all that. We're going to talk about, <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, some physical therapy stuff, which I absolutely love. Um, try to give uh, the listeners some, you know, uh, it, it was interesting, uh, like some, you know, we'll say alternative information. I, I, I know that can be along the streams of quote unquote alternative facts, but <laughs> that's not what this is. <laughs> it is purely alternative information, um, you know, a different way of looking at things, right? You know, I think that's what uh, your podcast is so well at doing. Um, so I'm just, I know it's long winded, but I'm happy to be on to discuss some of those things. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And yes, we do talk about alternative, I think is a good way to put it because like, I always call it like breaking down the myths, but it's beyond that. It's also just talking about those things that maybe outside the box compared to what most people talk about. So yeah. that's what we, we're good at here. Very, very good at those things. <laughs> well, let's, um, let's dive into kind of the first topic and then we'll obviously we'll see where this all branches off to, but um, <laughs> I like how you put it as far as the patient pathway and really um, like taking people through, like, this is what's going on. And this is why, um, cause I feel like there's this disconnect a lot of times as I'm talking with people and I was like, well, what do they assess? What do they think is going on? What do they check? And it's kind of this like deer in the headlights look, or this thing of just like, well, they just found this is weak or, you know, not really a good explanation of what's going on. And, and so like, how do you go through it with your, after you evaluate someone, what does that or even during the evaluation, like what does the whole process look like to make sure they know and are like full understanding of like what that process looks like? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And something that we've been working on for um, really as long as we've been in business, because uh, you know, uh, from my personal background of PT, uh, uh, having PT as an athlete, you know, there wasn't ever really a clear understanding of what is going on with me. Um, you know, for instance, back uh, when I was a hockey player, I rolled my ankle. It was a pretty bad thing. It was during tryouts. So I needed to really get back out there and uh, went to the PT and went every day and they kept having me work on my hip and they never explained to me why I'm working my hip. Cause of course, undergrad me before PT school, before kinesiology, before all that kind of stuff, you know, I was like, no, no, no it's my ankle that hurts, <laughs> not my hip, <laughs> but it, it was never explained to me. And, uh, you know, obviously now I know everything's connected and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the odds of me doing my exercises, my hip exercises for my ankle were slim to none. So we've really spent, you know, taken a lot of experiences and spent a lot of time trying to find that, that, uh, that pathway, you know, if you will. So to answer your question, what that looks like is after our evaluation, you know, after we poke and prod and, you know, really get to the bottom of uh, what we think is going on, you know, we, uh, we literally have a pathway sheet for each individual patient. And, you know, it starts in the recovery phase. Obviously, that's why most people come to us. Ouch, Matthew, this hurts. <laughs> uh, I want it to not hurt anymore. Okay, cool. 
but we also expand on that and and uh, we have a restorative phase as well as an advancement phase. And this is kind of a stair step, moving the patient from you know pain and injury to you know what we like to call full function, or you know I don't think anyone's fully functional, but you know as close to 100% as we can get. So um, so yeah, that's kind of the stair step. And uh, what what we realize is is people get such a greater understanding of their body, not just of the specific issue, the ankle or the shoulder, but they now have this understanding, oh my gosh, so I'm not using, you know, my abs in the way I could, would, should be. I'm not using my shoulder in the way I could and should. And so we start an ankle, we ended up, you know, end up working on the entire body. I know that's a similar approach to what you have as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, and yeah, because I'm, I'm addressing, yes, I'm going to get them on the table and check strength and do all the range of motion stuff just because we need to know where that is. But at the same end of the day, like we also need to know functionally how they're using that. So we're also looking at like just how their body moves. Like they might have great hip range of motion, but you, the second you put them to do a squat or a lunge, like they have no range of motion at all because their body doesn't know really how to control that. And so there's a lot of factors that play into it. And I really think there's a very often this disconnect between like what the therapist tests, what the individual, the athlete can actually do, and then connecting the dots for that person. So they really understand like how this all works together. Yeah. And I, I absolutely love that. And you know, what I, you know, like to kind of think we're doing is we're giving somebody a, you know, um, and this is not factual, you know, all the educators out there, but, you know, almost like a, uh, a bachelor's degree in their own pain, you know, <laughs> um, and, like and what's going on with them, with their body. Right. You know, so, um, uh, so it's the educational component that one I think is missing in conventional physical therapy, you know, that we're kind of changing the game with because the person doesn't understand what's going on and why this might be connected, you know, then we're talking about exercise program adherence at home. They're not going to be doing their exercises. Um, and they're not going to, you know, really have uh, be invested in the program in general, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think that's why a lot of, like, I'll flat out ask people at times, like, or, or, you know, they'll tell me they're not doing their exercises and they're, you know, make excuses for it, you know. And like, I'll flat out ask them, like, do you know why you're doing them or do you feel they're even helping you? Like, because if, if people, I like, yes, some people just get busy and they forget, but I think for the most part, like if we were doing things that we understood why we were doing them and they were actually helpful, I think we would actually do them. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, just like anything else, right. You know, uh, you know, we talk, I, I always bring up the whole finance thing. because I think it's so similar to like health and wellness, you know, someone says you need to track your finances and budget or whatever. And the person's like, oh, well, I don't really want to do that. I don't even understand why, uh, why one would do that, right? But then when you have a financial advisor or somebody explaining why that's important, it's so that you can save for your vacation that you say you're not able to take. Then, you know, a, a switch flips and like, oh my gosh, now this is fun. <laughs> now, now I love doing this. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a great analogy and we could use a lot of different analogies for that, but, um, yeah, I think there's just so much empowerment and buy-in that comes when people really 
understand why they're doing things and really see the benefits of it. Yeah, yeah. And and the benefits is really important. Um, I was just speaking with someone the other day, you know, about the whole testing and retesting thing. You know, um, conventional, I know I'm dogging conventional PT, but, you know, that's what we do. That's <laughs> what we do. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, okay, you have 16 visits on your insurance. Let's just see what happens by the end of the, you know, 16 visits. And, and you know, there's probably improvement, you know, most likely. Um, but they're, they're testing the shoulder range of motion. They're like, oh, see, you just got five degrees extra range of motion in these 16 visits. How wonderful is that? You know, but the patient, you know, is like, okay, but I still can't reach the top shelf. I still, yeah. I still can't do the, the things, you know, so it really becomes a, um, um, a moot point. I was talking about the, the numbers, if the patient isn't feeling or client isn't feeling the, uh, the benefits from it. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of that comes down to, you know, insurance companies want numbers, like that's how they run their thing. Like they, yes, the insurance company wants to see function as well, but like, there's a reason a lot of therapists or most therapists are very adamant about like measuring range of motion every single time or measuring strength every week or, you know, doing all these things. And now that it's a bad thing to do, especially if someone's like post-surgical, you need to make sure the pro the progress is being made. But for the majority, of the, at least in my opinion, for the majority of the population, like you don't need to be measuring range of motion every single time. Like, can they function better? <laughs> and is their quality of movement better? Yeah. Yeah, I, absolutely. And, and are there other ways, and, you know, I'm not sure I'm not deeply steeped in the insurance model, but, you know, are there, are there other ways to measure that improvement? And, you know, sometimes that could be uh, them reaching on the top shelf and things like that. And, you know, I'm not sure about reimbursement and all that, but, um, you know, we are so educated in our profession, you know, so I do think we can kind of be within the box while also thinking outside the box. Do you agree? I agree. And I think, you know, it's, I feel like it's easier and faster to measure range of motion, but there's no reason you can't be like someone reached above their head 18 inches today. Someone, you know, and obviously the arm length is going to determine the, the max amount, but um, like being able to be like, they did reach to 20 inches today and being able to really document that, like, I personally don't see a reason on, and it's been a while since I've worked in the insurance role, but Personally, I don't see a reason on why that wouldn't be an objective measurement. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You know, but, you know, meanwhile, you know, a lot of the quote unquote standardized range of motion, you know, things are done on your back, right? Mm -hmm. And we have all kinds of things like gravity assisting us or, you know, in different positions, you know, limiting us and all of that. It's not a functional position. So, um, so yeah, you know, I, I, again, I, uh, I think you brought up a great point that a lot of people do, it's not the therapist's fault. In a lot of instances, they do have to placate the insurance, but uh, you know, there are also some, some creativity uh, that, that we can employ. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, and okay. so, and so kind of a uh, dovetail, you know, off that, you know, uh, do, you know, do you have a way to, um, uh, to measure, you know, if, something is is working or not and and not necessarily quantitatively you know not necessarily with range of motion or something like that but you know say say things aren't getting better things say things are getting worse you know do you have a process you know to to track that as well um i wouldn't say well i guess the best way to put it is like i'm always if someone's not making progress within 
two, three sessions at max, like I'm going to take a step back and like me just mentally, like what else could be going on here? But two, like, let's reassess things. Let's have a greater conversation. Let's figure out what's maybe I didn't look at something fully in the shoulder and I need to reassess that area or the ankle or whatever it is. But, um, if someone's not getting better one, I'm going to, within a couple of visits, I'm going to take a step back and just kind of like reassess, like, what did I miss? What could we have possibly missed? And if I'm not seeing anything, then it's like, what other specialists do we need to see? Like what else systemically could be going on? What, what tests do we need to get just to like clear or confirm anything else further going on? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. And, and yeah, you know, we should in the first, you know, few visits be, you know, seeing a change um, because if not, we're just kind of banging our head against the wall and, and uh, you know, hoping, hoping something happens, wishing for something to happen. Uh, yeah. I, I totally get, um, get where you're at in the reassessment and, you know, as part of our kind of pathway, um, yeah, you know, we're like, okay, in three visits, you should be here, um, you know, whatever pain function, like whatever. And if that's not working, then we have a great way to track that. And we can go, we can go back to the drawing board, reassess and keep it moving. And sometimes that happens, you know, I, I like to tell people, I don't have a crystal ball, you know, um, you know, maybe others do, but I don't, <laughs> um, you know, and, and uh, if, but if we need to make a, a um, modification, we can do that early on, not at session 20. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think is what happens a lot. Um, one thing that came to mind as you were talking was, you know, that reminder that it's not abnormal for like, as we're cleaning some stuff up, other stuff starts to show up. Other things get achy. We start noticing other compensations, changes, movement patterns. Um, just because we are really like, we think we can know the root cause of it, but that at the deepest layer, we don't necessarily know it. So it's like, maybe we think it's the ankle, but then as we start fixing the ankle, it's like, oh, now the back's doing this weird thing. And so sometimes it is like things change, which that change can be a good thing. But I think we just have to remember that like, things clear up, but also things, new things can show up over time too. Great, great point. Um, yeah, you know, there's been a lot of instances where someone's coming in for uh, hip pain, knee pain, and we're finding it's their back. And, you know, maybe we don't know that for the first session or two. Um, and then it's like, well, okay, this isn't responding how I like. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then we reevaluate, go to the back. Um, and, and to, to kind of go to our point um, earlier about kind of patient communication and education, you know, it's so important that if we are changing, it's no ego thing on us. It's just that, you know, hey, your body's responding differently. Now we communicate that to the patient. We're going to a different, you know, in a different direction with this. And uh, um, we're going to modify and see, see, you know, see what happens with this. Yeah. The being willing to change, I think is important because I don't know how many times, and I mean, I saw it when I was in the clinic myself, I experienced it like being a patient years ago, um, of just like the same exercises day after day, not really being progressed, nothing's really changing. And 
And I think they're like, we get stuck in this pattern of just like, like you said, it's kind of like throwing things against the wall and hope it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, uh, uh, yeah. What do they call the definition of insanity? And <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> I don't like that term insane, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, yeah, we have to, we have to change. We have to modify. I totally agree. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, you kind of mentioned as far as your patient pathway, what, uh, like, what does an assessment, just kind of a general assessment look like with you? Are you doing the traditional, like, PTS stuff, but also looking more functionally, moving patterns? What are you looking at? Yeah, it's, uh, um, yeah, I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, it is a little bit more of the, uh, of the, on the functional side of everything. Um, we're doing some measurements and sometimes it's indicated I'm not anti measurement by any means, but it's just about how do we measure and can we measure in some different ways. And so, you know, we'll, we might do some measurements on the table with the person's knee, you know, if that, that's what they're coming in for bending it up, measuring that or something like that. But the odds of, you know, unless it's causing someone night pain, um, their knee, I, I don't particularly care about that measurement. I care about how, <laughs> honestly, uh, I care about, uh, you know, them talking about, oh, I can't walk up and down stairs or I'm dragging my foot or, you know, whatever the case is in that functional um, position. And uh, then we try to measure, you know, in, in those, those areas and see how things are getting. How's the quality of motion, right? Um, you know, is it at 50% where they're barely making it up the step or down the step or you know, is it, uh, you know, are they able to run up the step, mm -hmm. uh, for instance? And I think the, I think the quality of motion is something that's missed a lot too, because I mean, someone can push and compensate their way into a full knee flexion or full, or, you know, getting their arm overhead. But what does that look like? Like, you know, we're talking the knee are they shifting their hip when you're talking the shoulder is the shoulder blade actually doing what it's supposed to be doing and i think there's a lot of like when we're just worried about measurements there's a lot of that quality movement that's that's missed in the process yes absolutely um because you know it, it's, it goes back to kind of the whole healthcare system and working on this isolation you know this this one joint in a vacuum as opposed to how everything works together and so you know i i think you know, insurance model or not, like, you know, we do need to be mindful because we always say, and it's so fun to say, it's all connected. <laughs> but, you know, how, how often are we actually, you know, implementing that, mm -hmm. you know, this whole connection? So, um, so yeah, you know, we, we need to look at, at the whole system because we're educated to, to do that as PTs. Um, so, you know, let's, let's do our jobs. Yeah, absolutely. I want to take a quick break to talk about Run With Happy Feet. If you are dealing with a foot and ankle issue that is keeping you from running and racing, this is the website for you. So go check it out at runwithhappyfeet.com. Or if you want faster results, then book a free call with me so we can take a deep dive into your situation. You can book a call at runwithhappyfeet.com slash book dash call. Now back to the conversation. I should ask you this since like, I know you're really 
I won't say particular with how you do things, but like you go deeper than a lot of other therapists do. And I know you've had people on, you do have people that work for you. Like, how do you ensure people coming out of school or people working for you are like thorough and thorough with their assessments and not just kind of falling into the normal PT trap? Yeah, that's uh, the million dollar question, if you will. Um, we always make sure we do patient or patient audits um, and, you know, maybe some tandem treatments here with our, our, uh, uh, our clients and our PTs to ensure, you know, that there's consistency, continuity. Um, so that's one way to, you know, just ensure that we're keeping the, you know, um, that high level of care. The other thing, um, you know, we like to do is really give our new grads, because actually uh, we, um, at the time of this podcast, you know, are um, um, exploring the opportunity to hire on a new grad and what that mentorship looks like. But, you know, it's, it's incorporating their strengths as well as measures that they care about um, and, and they, they think pertain to the patient. Um, trying to do that as uh, much as possible. Sorry, we got some landscaping. Oh, I was wondering what that was. Uh, he was okay. he was here yesterday and is back for more. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies. All good. Um, ensuring that 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 PT whether they have a yoga background. Okay, well, how can we measure shoulder range in a downward dog position? You know, is there anything wrong with that? You know, it's weight bearing, it's functional. You know, I'm I don't know. Um, you know, let's uh, let's try it out and see. Can that be a measure of improvement for as for instance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if someone is into jazzercise or Pilates or whatever, you know, then we're talking about maybe some step ups, you know, and, and assessing quality of motion in that. And so, you know, I, I don't think there's just one way to assess function or else, you know, we wouldn't have all these other different disciplines and modalities and specialties and stuff like that. So um, I don't know if that answered the question or if that was just a tangent, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I always am Lord, like new grads, you know, ha- have some structure, you know, I have an eval template that I still go out over every single time with the patient because, you know, we're, we're talking about different things and it helps me stay focused. Um, but, you know, do, do what makes sense uh, to you and for the, that particular patient. Yeah. And I, I love how you put that and kind of the examples that you gave as far as like, or just in the regard of you need to do what's right for the patient. And I think this is where one of my frustrations comes is that like people working with runners are like, I'll talk to my runners. A lot of times it's like, well, their assessment was done laying down or, you know, and and all these different, just like tests and all their exercises are being done laying down. And I'm like, which is awesome. If you just have surgery and you can't stand, but like at the end of the day, how is that relating in any way back to standing on a single leg running, like being on your two feet, just cause we stand as humans. And so I think there's just this disconnect or this area that's missed when we're coming, when we're looking at people and really making sure we're assessing them based on what they want to get back to being able to do. Absolutely. Um, nail on the head with that. And so, you know, it goes back to like, why, why are we doing these measures? Are we doing it uh, because that's just how it's been done? And we just need to continue doing that for whatever reason, you know, or are we doing it uh, because there's a true purpose because, you know, I <laughs> frequently, you know, dog the, you know, just on the table, you know, um, table exercises, if you will, <laughs> where you're just lying on your back, 
but sometimes there's there's a complete you know reason for it. we do need to isolate the joint you know okay cool i'm behind that but session 10 if they're a runner and they fully walked or even ran into your clinic or ran to your clinic uh why do we have them on the table the whole time? Mm -hmm. so um so yeah you know it's it, it always goes back to to purpose and just critically asking yourself and it's no judgment or you know not an ego thing in our profession if we are now critically you know at this point maybe five years into someone's profession that that they might need to critically analyze why they're doing something to modify that's fine we're all learning you know i've learned you know probably about 50 things every day <laughs> and and it doesn't mean i'm stupid it doesn't mean i'm you know there's anything wrong with me um it just means that now i have some other information yeah know? if 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 tomorrow a bunch of high level of evidence goes out and says ultrasound in or ultrasound you know is the best thing that you can do for a patient okay i'm willing to explore and see what that looks like you know what i'm saying as, as an example um but um but until then i'm gonna go with you know what um you know i believe current research is supporting yeah yeah absolutely and you know i'm talking about changing and adapting i mean the stuff i did man i've been out of school 15 plus years now um you know the stuff i was doing 15 years ago and 10 years ago and five years ago is completely different from or i shouldn't say completely different but very different from the things i'm doing now just because i've taken other courses i've talked to other people i've listened to a lot of podcasts like i learned a lot <laughs> in the span of those 15 years and it's like we should change how we're doing things over time yeah i mean if we're doing the best for our patients at least you know i i completely um completely agree so um yeah, you know, I like to consider myself, and this is not a religious affiliation by any means, but like an, an information agnostic. <laughs> you know, we have, you know, this body of evidence, you know, um, uh, you know, talking about this thing and saying this is the best thing we got right now. Cool. But I'm totally open to other information coming to light, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and we'll, you know, we'll go with that. I'm curious with some of them with you, because I know like our practice is very much evidence based or, you know, that's the direction they've they've gone, which totally like makes sense. We need to follow the research. But at the same time, I feel like there's still a lot of I mean, we also know that research takes several years to get out. And so I think there can be a lot of like clinically based as well, like the things you see results with in the clinic, like just because I don't want to spend the time and money to do research on it doesn't mean it does. It's not effective. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, there is that clinical reasoning. And, you know, do I always value people's expertise? I'm 100% because there's a lot of people been doing this a lot longer than me have a lot more information than I do have, you know, a lot more different thought processes, totally cool. But you know, I, our profession is evidence based, as you said, but we also consider clinical reasoning being the highest level of evidence. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I think a sample size of, you know, a hundred thousand people or a million people is always going to trump, you know, the 20, 25 people you might see a day. <laughs> 
I don't even know what you need to see on a daily basis to get to that million. Um, but you know, like <laughs> there's, there's a little bit of everything because at the same time, you know, research is not set to prove anything, right? And anyone who says this proves something based off this research, it's like, no, that's not uh, what it is. It's to find correlations and there's stronger correlations in some ways than other ways. So, um, you know, I, I, I do think a healthy mixture of, of all of it. Hey, this is what I've seen in the clinic. I did this one release. I can't find any research on it, but like this helps somebody. Cool. But maybe not allowing that to drive our car being like, oh, well, I do clamshells on all my back pain patients and they get, um, you know, 10% better. So that's the best way to do it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. No, I definitely agree with that. But, but yeah, you know, it, it's all about um, ensuring um, that, you know, there's this balance, right? You know, and that's the, you know, biggest thing, especially in maybe today's society, maybe it's always been, is that we swing from one end to the other end of things. Mm-hmm. And there, pretty much everything in life, I would say, except for mathematics. I was just talking to one of my math, uh, one of my patients who is a, uh, has a master's degree in math. Math has one single correct answer to my knowledge at least (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, you know but everything else in life has this gray area and has this this kind of ebb and flow in between Mm -hmm. so we have to make sure we realize that as well and I think too and I remember what I was going to say is I think one of the difficulties with looking at the research and being evidence-based is that it is constantly changing. Like ultrasound used to be very highly used and it used to show some results. And then as they started doing more studies, they realized like it's not doing everything that they thought it was. And so there is constantly this change. There's frequently like just contradicting each other, um, especially over time. And so I, I think that's also why we need to pull in that clinical reasoning too. Like if evidence shows this, but like we do that thing every with the next hundred people and it's not working. It's like, well, I'm not going to waste my time doing that thing. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great example. Um, great example. And, uh, and that, yeah, that's a, a, and, and maybe the thing you end up using your clinical reasoning on in five years, you know, they allocate a bunch of research and they find that that is a better, a better way to do stuff, you know, cause we do need, you know, um, I think the surgical community, you know, a lot of stuff is kind of just on the fly. Hey, I think I'm going to do this and we'll see, you know, how it goes. And um, yeah, and then we find new new approaches, new new treatments. So yeah, let's definitely not, uh, what they say, throw the baby out with the bathwater and, and just be evidence-based because uh, so, someone said um, that evidence in the healthcare community like doubles every six months. Or something like that. So at the same time, you know, there's an article that came out this morning on shoulder pain. I'm sure that I haven't even got to. <laughs> right. Pretend that come out. Yeah. Right. Yeah, uh, up on it can be tough for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And and again, that goes to this healthy mix of you know, hey, we try to do our best. But, you know, we also, if we've been doing the same thing for 10 years, we might also want to look at what else is new. Yeah. And I think that's something super important because I've known a lot of therapists who have been therapists for decades and like are still doing the same thing that they were, you know, when I first met them decades ago, you know, like, 
and and it is one of those things that we do need to continue to grow as therapists. Like it doesn't mean you necessarily need to go to like 15 different content courses a year to learn, but you know, reading, getting on podcasts, like, or like listening to podcasts, I should say, and just kind of like finding information or testing out things on yourself or, you know, whatever that, that looks like, but being willing to adapt and change and update, I think is, is super important. Yeah. And that brings up a, you know, interesting thing of that also requires somebody to get out of their comfort zone, mm-hmm. you know, and us as humans in general, and I am included in that, you know, we, we like being we comfortable. Like <laughs> yeah, we don't like that at all. <laughs> That's not typically our favorite uh, place to be. Um, not saying people don't embrace challenges and stuff, but we would much rather not have challenges than, you know. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, you know, I, I love working and I'm sure, and I know you do too with your podcast. Like I love working with um, you know, our chiropractors and, you know, acupuncturists and, and all of that and doing some, you know, um, kind of sharing of knowledge because it, there's a lot of things that's like, oh my gosh, I didn't even see it this way or the way you're doing it makes me think of, you know, treating the body in a certain way. And, you know, I think that's super cool as well because, you know, again, even within our own profession, all the research, we can be very siloed. Yeah. And yeah. Talking to those other professions, whether it's just socially and just kind of picking their brain or whether it's like in a professional setting, like going to see them and seeing what they do, um, you know, can be very beneficial because you can learn a lot from having those conversations with people who do different things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've said it before and I will always continue to say it. We would not have all of these different disciplines out there, including healing crystals and all that kind of stuff, (laughs) you know, if, if there was one right way to do things, yeah, there would be one way to do it and one discipline for that. So, um, you know, I think everyone's helping each other, uh, helping their patients and clients and, um, in their own unique way. And why, why are we not sharing that? Yeah. On that note, another tangent of mine or a (laughs) frustration of mine, (laughs) like, I understand most insurances require, or a lot of the insurances still require them to go to a physician prior to, to seeing a PT. Like, and I understand that's kind of most people's like first direction is going to the doctor, but like, I get frustrated when the doctors like tell them to go to therapy and then like want to tell a therapist to do like X, Y, and Z things. Because like you just said, we all exist for a reason. We all have our own background of knowledge and we all (laughs) do in our professions better than what you do in your profession. For sure. For sure. Yeah. uh, Yeah. uh, We frequently get that, you know, luckily we're in California and we're a direct access state, um, uh, which means, uh, by the way, everyone listening, you can see a physical therapist um, without a doctor's referral um, here. In California, Arizona as well. Arizona's too, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm sure Arizona's laws are better than ours. (laughs) (laughs) We've been direct access for about as long as the PT board was allowing it. (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow. Um, So, but but yeah, when we get, you know, in doctor's orders or whatever to ice and ultrasound and heat, you know, that's the skill modalities they want us doing. Um, 
Okay. <laughs> that, uh, you know, I appreciate uh, your guidance in that. And again, I'm sure there's instances where that's indicated. Um, but what we do is we send every doctor our plan of care. And, uh, you know, that's showing them, hey, based off our evaluation, this is what I think is going on. And this is how we correct it. And this is what this looks like. Um, so it's not, uh, uh, you know, in heating on anyone's expertise, but, you know, I do think physical therapy, you know, we are the muscle musculoskeletal professionals. Someone has a running injury. We are the, the best profession for it, you know, um, by definition. Yeah. There was a physician when I was working in the insurance world that were referred to our clinic quite a bit, foot and ankle guy always put like stretch calves, stretch hamstrings, like grass into the area, all that stuff. And like, if the patient went back and he found out you weren't doing it, like he would call the owner, like livid <laughs> because of it. And like, things aren't always indicated. <laughs> like, yes, that can be a reason for plantar fascia issues, but that is not always the reason for plantar fascia issues. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes that can be assuming the person's open to it, you know, a moment of education and learning, you know, um, we've done that with our, uh, our doctors sometimes, cause you know, we'll, we'll send them something. They're like, well, you know, I just, no, I just wanted them stretched. That was a great example. And, uh, well, we say, you know, well, yes, we can incorporate that, but the research, you know, here's some research suggesting that, you know, that's not the best thing are the only thing uh, that we can do for it, right? Uh, for patient outcomes or, you know, rest. Well, there's other things that, that we can do. And so hopefully, um, at least with our referring physicians, you know, there's a great dialogue um, between the two of us to, to learn. Yeah. And now that person understands that issue a little bit more. We might understand why, what they're, where they're getting their stuff from and we can help our patients. Yeah, absolutely. And that open dialogue is super important. And unfortunately, we know everyone in the medical, or a lot of people in the medical world have their ego and think they're 100% right and <laughs> don't necessarily want to listen to someone else. Of course. And, you know, again, we say it, you and I say it time and time again, you know, that ego does nothing but interjects ourselves in the middle of our patient's care. We start fighting each other. <laughs> instead of in trying to be right then um then helping our, our our clients which you know is a huge disservice because why why are we all doing this it's to help people exactly exactly well matthew i know you have a client to get to here shortly so to start closing it out any last thoughts opinions comments today um yeah, uh, the, I guess the biggest thing that, you know, this uh, conversation has brought up is continue to challenge yourself, continue to try to, um, uh, you know, if you think whatever is working and it's the best thing since sliced bread, critically analyze it. Well, why? You know, and, um, uh, you know, always ask if you don't know. Um, and don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> I have a third thing. So, <laughs> all right. If someone has questions for you, wants to find you, where can they find you at? Yeah. Uh, 
sorry about that last point. But, uh, <laughs> it's an important one nonetheless. Um, uh, you can find me at uh, on all social media channels, AutoNest Physical Therapy. Uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook, um, all that kind of stuff. You know, if if you got some value out of this, please reach out to me and or Brienne. And uh, you know, we'd love to have a dialogue and uh, a healthy conversation to see um, how we can all learn and grow. Awesome. Well, thank you again for this conversation. It was fun as always, and we'll definitely do it again. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode of Highly Functional and had some great takeaways from it. Now, if you are dealing with your own foot and ankle issues and would love to get back to running and racing again, I highly encourage you to check out runwithhappyfeet.com to find out what it looks like to work with me. Or if you want to do things even faster and take a deep dive into your specific situation, then book a free call with me at runwithhappyfeet.com slash book dash call. And finally, if you know someone who would benefit from the information provided today, I would love for you to share this podcast with that person. Now go out and have an awesome day.